Welcome back to another episode of Creating Ness. I'm here once again with my good friend and co-host, Ethan. Ethan, what is going on today? John, we are just off of the NBA draft, and, well, there's been some shocking picks, and there's been some picks that we knew have been going to happen since seven months ago. So, This is true, this is true. Uh, yeah, the NBA draft happened. We're going to be covering our thoughts on that. We're going to talk about the big men situation in college basketball and why some star college basketball players don't even get drafted anymore. And we're going to have some pretty fun hypotheticals for y'all. Um, we're going to do some start bench cut with some of the greatest college basketball players of all time. Before we get into all the fun stuff, let's cover our dues real quickly. Let's talk about Twitter. Uh, we actually just posted a few tweets on there, or just threw a few tweets on there if you guys want to check it out after this. Um, but Ethan, what's happening over on Twitter besides that? Well, if you follow that ATR Madness, we're putting up, putting up everything. We're giving our opinions on stuff. Like Big Game Boomer the other day posted, this future Big 12 would be the greatest college basketball conference ever seen. Arizona, Baylor, BYU, Cincy, UConn, Gonzaga, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, San Diego State, TCU, Texas Tech, UCF, and West Virginia. Wow, that's a mouthful. And we got into something with one of you guys who think that just because there's no UNC Duke or Kentucky, it wouldn't be. However, just having the amount of star power that would be in that Big 12 automatically surpasses, I feel like, the talent that three Blue Bloods would have. Well, if you guys want to go see what our thoughts are, even when we're not on the show, thoughts such as that, please go check out at ATR Madness for more. Without further ado, though, let's get into the show. So, NBA draft happened two days ago. Two days ago. And we have some thoughts. Uh, first one, I want to come out and just say, Brandon Miller was phenomenal in college. He was the best playing college basketball this year, in my opinion, at least. Uh, had an underwhelming finish to the season in the Sweet 16 versus San Diego State. But despite that, absolutely phenomenal year from him individually. Maybe he didn't even play that well in the tournament, you could say, maybe because of injuries. But I think Brandon Miller is good in college. Brandon Miller is going to arguably the worst developmental team in the NBA. I think he has a strong case for number one. And we'll be in a situation where he will be LaMelo Ball's number two. And LaMelo Ball hasn't seen really any improvement since he came to the NBA. Unless we're going to sit here and say that Brandon Miller is going to be better than LaMelo Ball out of the game. I think that if Brandon Miller stays in Charlotte, he's not going to do anything with his career. And that Scoot Henderson not being picked over Brandon Miller will be an absolutely massive mistake. Not to mention, this doesn't actually have anything to do with it, but there is a draft curse with the number two pick outside of Kevin Durant in the last, like, 20 years, if y'all want to look into that. It's actually kind of crazy. But number two picks and going to the Hornets – it's it's not it's not a it's not a recipe for uh for a good career. But that's my my that's my my first firing hot take. Ethan, you got any other uh any other draft thoughts? I'm not sure what the Orlando Magic have with Michigan, but Jet Howard is now the fourth Michigan Wolverine on that roster. 
Oh, really? And Both Wagner's himself and who? Do you do you know off the top of your head? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm kind of blanking. I could look it up though. If you want to go into your thoughts, and then I'll interrupt you. All right, perfect. The next thing I want to talk about is I saw a tweet the other day about how Derek Lively only averaged five and five and got picked at number twelve. I had my head hurt a little bit after seeing that because Derek Lively was arguably the best defensive big in college basketball this year. And just because the stats don't show up on the box score does not mean that his impact was not felt. He was probably the best run protector in college basketball and was incredibly mobile. And when he gets taught by NBA coaches how to get in proper position, he's going to be really nice to have down low. Now, was his rebound all there? Not really. John, you ready for me to interrupt you? Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. All right. Caleb Houston. Mo Wagner, Franz Wagner, and now, of course, Jet Howard. The Magic also have two former Michigan players in their G League, and Xavier Simpson and DJ Wilson. That's very interesting. All right, well, maybe maybe there's a pipeline going there. Or it's maybe the reason why the Magic is so bad. <laughs> uh, we, love, we love hating on Michigan over here. But getting back to what I was saying, just because someone only averages 5-5 five and five does not mean that they are bad. He was a phenomenal defensive player. And, yes, the rebounding wasn't all there. But when he puts on some weight and gets, again, NBA coaching with that body, he is going to get a million rebounds a game. Not to mention that I don't even think he was probably used at Duke for his offensive game. If they really wanted to go through him, he would not have put up five points a game, guaranteed. And they had some star power on the Duke team this year. Obviously, newer coach figuring things out. But, I don't know. It just to me that seems very disrespectful to Derek White and you know maybe even all the other players who don't necessarily shine in the box score because his impact is felt everywhere else, maybe besides the basic box score stats. But that is just me. Ethan, what else do you want to talk about from the draft? Why was Cam Whitmore drafted at twenty? Well, I understand he wasn't. Oh, a- yeah, that is true. How I don't. I was expecting him to be a top five, at worst, top seven pick. How does he fall out of the lottery? I don't know. I feel like there has to be a reason. I'm sure there was. I'm just not sure what it was. It almost feels like someone can't, can't, can't fall out of the draft that hard without something having happened to them. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal over this year. And maybe the only thing I can think of off the top of my head, at least, is injury concerns because he didn't play for a good, like, chunk of the year at first because of injuries. Uh, When he came and played, he did his job. And despite the fact that Villanova didn't even make the tournament this year, he had an absolutely incredible season with not much happening around him uh, and a new coach in Kyle Neptune. So, I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Like, maybe there's a scandal that you and I just are completely unaware of. But, I mean, I, you figure that we would have known about it. It would be very, very weird if there was something that we just don't know about here. But, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily make any sense to me. Athletic, can score, plays defense, tries hard, went to a, a school that produces high-level NBA talent. I don't know. That's a great question, though, Ethan. I, I really don't know. Uh, let's see here. Well... Lee and I were talking about this before the show started, and we were kind of talking about, well, the NBA G League and Overtime Elite got 
three guys in the top five and I think seven guys. No, eight guys total, I believe, in the NBA draft. Is that true, Ethan, or seven? Uh, G League, overtime only had two. G League had, off the top of my head, I believe, it was two each and then six international. Okay. Um, Really, it was only four. I thought, I thought anyways. Well, I, we were talking about this before the show, and we were talking about how, you know, is it really impressive – that the NBA G League got, you know, the the ridiculous talent they did in the NBA. As in Scoot Henderson, the, the the Thompson twins. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Wait. Thompson or Scoot Henderson. Oh, what's up? It was three G League. My bad. That's all good. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with those three people, uh, the Thompson twins got picked fourth and fifth. Um, both six, eight wings, I believe, who can do basically everything. And Scoot Henderson, the get buckets guard, who just does not does not stop getting buckets. He is basically Cam Thomas with a way, way deeper skill set and can do more than just score the ball. So incredibly high level talent players. And Ethan and I were talking about this before. Is it really that impressive that the G League and Overtime Elite got them into the NBA drafts where they are? I think the answer is yes. Ethan was a little more skeptical. And the reason why I think that, you know, it was impressive still is because we don't know where they would have gone if they played college basketball. We don't know where they would have gone if they played overseas. But the fact that they were all top five picks shows you something. They played good enough competition. Obviously, in the case of the G League, they're playing against all the other NBA uh, NBA uh, G League affiliates, the G League Knight. And in the case of Overtime League, they're playing against all the best high school competition in the country. So when you kind of put two and two together, you can – basically assume that these kids are getting the the positions to play and when they show out and play well they get picked super highly so i think it still is impressive and they were i mean at least in the case of scoot henderson he was probably going to be a top three pick regardless but that's not saying anything for the thompson twins i mean they're good but you know no one predicts a top five good so i mean I think that's impressive but ethan offers a counterpoint ethan what do you have to say about that well, for the Thompson Twins, I don't know about you, John. I feel like if I'm a prospect that has offers from Kansas and numerous other top Power 5, Power 6 schools, instead of going to college and taking a, instead taking a fat paycheck to go play against high schoolers, I feel like I should dominate these high schoolers. Like, not taking anything away from them. They're going to become Division One players in a year, two years, three years, whatever amount. And they're going to dominate college. Don't get me wrong. But they're still growing kids. Like, the adult male doesn't stop growing physically until they're in their 20s. These guys are still growing. Oh, yeah. They're putting someone who's a lot closer to the full maturity versus high schoolers. No, that is certainly a good counterpoint. And... To say that, you know, again, considering these circumstances, that these guys wouldn't have been picked in the draft if they didn't play in overtime um, or G League is ridiculous. These guys are all freak athletes with great skill sets. But I think there is some credence to the point of, you know, they did get the eyes in front of them, just as college basketball does every year. Scouts pour in to see the top guys. But, 
you know, this experiment worked. I mean, if if they really weren't playing against any good competition, they just wouldn't have been picked. They would have just left and played college basketball. So there are already guys from, the, you know, the younger, the next generation, you know, gearing up to join the G League and gearing up to join Overtime Elite. As you see with the Ellis, the Ellis brothers, I mean, they're probably not going to get drafted, but, you know, they're making a sensational amount of money for being such little kids while also playing basketball for Overtime Elite, while also having the chance to go to college. So all of this is, is new and changing. And in the next, you know, 10 years, we can see all the top prospects going or we can see all the top prospects staying in college basketball with NIL. So this is a very, this is a very, um, I guess, I don't know how you'd say it. Very, very quick changing scene. And there's probably a better word to describe it, but you guys get what I mean. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is going back to, or at least relative to the draft, is Cam Whitmore sliding in the draft. And I just looked this up, just try to find why he, you know, around. I mean, it's the same thing. It was just, it doesn't necessarily make any sense. I mean, he. Didn't do that well in his workouts, I guess. And he had an injury. So, I don't know. I mean, I think he had like a 41 vertical, and he shot the lights out at Villanova and had some unbelievably good games, especially coming off of injury and being a true freshman. So, I don't know. I feel like he just, was just a big draft slide and miss. I mean, we see this happen fairly often. And guys like Kevin Porter Jr. who are supposed to be top 10 picks slide all the way down. I mean, this happens. So, you know, hopefully he gets the chance to prove everyone wrong. And, you know, especially in a place like Houston where they have a ton of young talent over there uh, with guys like Jalen Green and, you know, they're building a culture and future around there. It's, it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens. Uh, but I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see him try and prove everyone wrong. It's going to be very, very fun. I'm here. And John, I have one last thing before we go into the next part of it. Sure. Who in the second round do you believe is going to be the best second round pick? And realistically, I think it's going to come from one of the European, or do you think it's going to come from college? Well, I would like to say it is Serge Barry, but that would be a biased answer. Uh, on the uh, Spurs now, which I found to be pretty cool, but that's just my favorite team, if you guys didn't know, by the way. Um, man, let's see here. Uh, I, 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 Moni Bates is the guy that comes to my head first. But let me pull up a list of the second round draft picks. But if I, if not, not even looking at a list, you got to go Imani Bates. Because this guy only two years ago was projected to be a top three pick. So let's assume he taps into his potential and starts balling out in the G League and then comes up and gets starts getting buckets in the league. Especially because he already has a pretty league ready bag. And I get it that he played in, you know, a not particularly good conference, relatively at least, with a not particularly good team in Eastern Michigan. And no disrespect to the MAC either. The MACs, I mean, we love we all talking about the MAC. We love we love watching their games. We've had some coaches on for the MAC, 
but in terms of NBA draft, dra- NBA draft prospect talent, it's not a particularly good conference. So I can see why, especially with all the scandals that, you know, in him transferring, he got drafted so late. But I mean, it just, I don't know, man. It just, he's, he, he has the potential to really, really, really change this game, especially on the Cavaliers where, you know, they have a bunch of really high level talent that you can learn from like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. I'm, 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 I'm very optimistic, but that's just me. What about you? So I'm going, I'm going Jordan Walsh. Man, Arkansas comes off the bench as a six foot seven forward guard, whatever you want to play him at, and dominated. He would score seven points and four rebounds off the off the bench. The guy genuinely was efficient, was a defensive lockup, and would just be the key role player that Arkansas needed as a freshman last year and led them to help beating Kansas in the second round of the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, give me Jordan Walsh. I think that he's going to be able to be a quality starter at some point. If not, then I see him as one of the best bench players in the NBA. I mean, his upside is ridiculous. And considering the fact that the Celtics do a great job of developing their young guys as he got traded to the Celtics, uh, he will be in a position where he's going to be able to learn from a lot of great guys. I mean, we've seen so many players just come through the system as guys who, you know, maybe didn't seem like they were going to be that good. And all of a sudden, they're key players on their team, like Sam Hauser and Grant Williams. And even a guy like Jalen Brown, people were a little skeptical of coming out of California, being like, you know, what necessarily is a ceiling. He's fully developed and being one of the best players in the NBA. And obviously, a guy like Jason Tatum, who, again, we didn't necessarily think his ceiling was going to be this, but it is. And the Celtics just always seem to get the best out of their guys. So I'm really excited for him. This should be a really fun opportunity. Um, again, to prove a lot of people wrong, where, you know, he was a five-star coming out of high school, and then he goes to Arkansas and doesn't play, play all that much, and he kind of gets clowned because he just kind of seemed like a guy who went out there and hustled his butt off but didn't have much skill. And I don't know. I heard that a lot, and I feel like he's going to have the opportunity in the NBA to really show what he can do. So I'm, I'm very excited. That, that is certainly a good pick, Ethan. All righty. Without further ado, let's get into our next segment, which is why aren't the best players in college basketball getting picked highly anymore? And you might be thinking, well, John, what are you talking about? Brandon Miller is best player in college basketball, and he got picked in the second. He got picked second. And Anthony Black got picked super high soon, so Jairus Walker. But you, you start to think of yourself for a second, well, who's winning the National Player of the Year? Who's winning the end points? Who's winning the Defensive Player of the Year? Who's winning you know, the final four awards, and you look at you look at all of this, you'd be like, huh, well, it's all older guys, and they all seem to be big men, and they all seem to be shorter than your average NBA big man. And that's where we come to in the cases of guys like Oscar Sheeway, like Drew Timmy, like Luca Garza. You know, but the list goes on, right? And... Ethan? Yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I thought you want to say something. Um... You know, the list goes on with these guys. And, you know, Ethan may have his different theories, and we may have some overlap here. But, you know, when a guy's 22 years old and his skill set, at least in the modern NBA, is back to the basket, it's not going to work. 
especially when the mobility is in there and guys like Drew Timmy and Luca Garza, it just, it doesn't seem like it's going to work. And it's rather unfortunate because these guys do so well and are so fun to watch at the collegiate level, but the NBA is a different game. I mean, Drew Timmy wouldn't be able to keep up for three seconds with, you know, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, all these guys who are just so much bigger, stronger, and more conditioned and athletic than these guys in college are. So I don't, that's just me. I mean, Luca Garza, again, He's like either back to back national player of the year or won at one time but was in the running for the year before and now he doesn't even play. And Drew Timmy didn't get drafted, and neither Josh Kushibe. And neither did Adama Sonogo, another name that falls in that same kind of category. So it's it's unfortunate to see, but unfortunately, even more unfortunately, it's it's almost predictable in a sense of why this has come to be. But Ethan, do you have any other theories as to why this is happening? Any other insight? I feel like you kind of hit it right on the noggin of it just because NBA evolved. You need to be able to shoot. If you can't shoot, you're just a big guy that crowds the paint. You're getting in the way of these athletic guards and wings that are slashing through the paint, getting open, and you're taking away a big space and not allowing the team its offensive opportunity. Whereas in college, not necessarily as athletic, not necessarily as quality of shooting, so you can get away with leaving a guy open a couple extra times. Whereas the NBA, you're playing against the best of the best in the world as opposed to college. Right. Yeah, Yeah, sorry, continue my bad. I'm wondering if we're going to see a point. I'm not sure if you agree. At what point do we start seeing these bigs, no matter their size, just say, I'm done in the post. I can make more money as a shooter. Start going to the shooting coaches in the offseason and paying them their NIL money, paying them whatever they can, and learning how to shoot. Because if Kofi Coburn was able to shoot 40% from mid-range, he probably would have gotten drafted. Yeah, it's another name. That is just falls in this exact same category. And yep. on the Illini message boards, he's regretting not taking the half a mil NIL deal. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you went from near, you went from guaranteed money to having to prove yourself. G League's hard. Everyone's trying and fighting, scratching and clawing for that NBA contract, which is not guaranteed. And unless you're right out of the draft on a two-way deal that's worth the half a million or more, you're not getting necessarily a whole lot of money. Not at all, actually. Like, not really that much money whatsoever. It's not like minor league baseball, bad. It's not good either, though. I mean, these guys aren't – I mean, these guys are making, you know, not like five figures is bad relatively but you know that's an average salary for like the average american worker and you know you're a professional basketball player which most people would love to have that job but at the same time it's incredibly time consuming at least if you want to make it out of the g league you know for all the traveling and the games and the fact you put in so much work just to stay there let alone advance against your competition so you know the g league's a grind and these guys are not being paid like NBA players, obviously, because they're not NBA players, but, you know, they have to work on an NBA schedule. And John what's up here? Is 40 and a half thousand. 
Exactly. So, you're not making a lot much more than if you were making $15 an hour working 40 Exactly. Exactly, man. I mean, again, is forty thousand dollars a year, you know, enough to live? Obviously, yes. You can, you can, you can function on forty thousand dollars a year. But I mean, these guys are on NBA NBA schedules, which means you don't have much downtime to, you know, put in a side hustle. You know, you're you're, you're working with that forty thousand dollars, and you know, it's it's just it's just very interesting and very difficult. I feel like to. To, you know, to hear these guys in the interviews and, you know, see what they do and try and make that grind up. It's, it's very difficult. And so we'll just, we'll just hope all these guys get their best shot and, uh, and just, just do it the best they can with it. Another quick thing I want to say real quickly is for those people in our audience who are watching, who are still confused as to why um, these, these guys aren't being drafted at all. Ethan made an extremely good point that I feel like I should highlight again. These guys are in, college in the United States. These are the best. No, not even the best. Because some of the best players are going to the G League and overtime elite. These are some of the best only American under 22 basically to age 18 players in the United in the in the United States. There are guys that come from South America, Australia, Asia, Africa, and Europe who can all play ball at a very high level. Not to mention the fact that in the NBA, the competition that you play against is completely weeded out. You are taking the best players from college basketball and putting them in the NBA. So that's why the guys who dominate in college get put at the top. And that's why the guys who show a lot of you know talent who aren't necessarily killing get drafted lower. I mean, Gigi Jackson was like 17 to start the season. And put up pretty good numbers for being a, a, a like below average age teenager for college basketball, and got drafted forty fifth. I mean, let's put into consideration that Gigi Jackson it was insane, and he didn't even he he, he was pretty freaking close to not getting drafted. I mean, these guys are unbelievably good, and so you know. You take a guy like Drew Timmy who maybe put up better box score numbers, but is he going to have a even close to as high of a ceiling as guys like Gigi Jackson or Ronnie Bates? No, not even close. The athleticism, the skill gap, the age difference, its all it all makes sense as to why these guys don't get drafted. It's unfortunate, and I wish it was different, but we can't escape this reality, guys. These guys aren't getting drafted for a reason. It's unfortunate, but, you know, kind of have to move past it, and it's just part of the game. Ethan, any last thoughts before we move into our next segment? Uh, one last thing, which would be NIL, is keeping some of these guys their four years as opposed to, man, I just averaged 20 and 9 at Gonzaga or at Houston or at Michigan or at Illinois or Duke as a junior. And I stayed that year until I finally became a starter there. They're going to stay that extra year if they're not getting the guaranteed money. Like Terrence Chan Jr., Coleman Hawkins aren't getting guaranteed money. The case for many players. If you don't get guaranteed money, NIL will be able to keep you safe for another year before you head out. And we are almost at the end of the COVID year extra BS crap, whatever you want to call it. Just a couple more years and we will, I think this is the second to last year this season will be 
until we never have to deal with that extra year thing again. I thought it was. I thought this was the last year, but that actually sounds right. This sounds like it would be the second to last year. Um, never know what the answer is. No, I was going to say, you actually never know what these people, like they're so indecisive and so actually bad their jobs, you really never know. So I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe kids born in like, you know, 2025 will have a COVID year, but we'll see. All right. Well, John, keep in mind, someone from Hawaii just got his eighth year of eligibility. I understand injuries and stuff, but eight years in college. He, he probably, like, also went on a mission trip to a took another two. He's probably, like, 35 with kids. His, his wife's probably going to be in menopause by the time he graduates college. It's actually ridiculous. All right. Jesus. Moving past that, though, last uh, quick segment we have for you guys is we saw something on Twitter. At least I did. And I retweeted it, again, at ATR Madness. Um, and I found it really interesting. I just wanted to, you know, talk about this on the show for just a quick second. Um, it was a start, bench, redshirt cut. And the four players were Kentucky Anthony Davis, UMass Marcus Camby, Wake Forest Tim Duncan, and Ohio State Greg Oden. So between these four guys, you got to pick who we're going to start. Who we're gonna have coming off the bench, who we're gonna have do another year, and who we have to cut. And this is an incredibly difficult, you know, group of people to weed out. Just to keep in mind, the only guy that didn't make the final four out of these three guys was uh, the, the only guy that didn't make the final four out of these four is Tim Duncan. And Tim Duncan's arguably the greatest power forward of all time. So we got some thinking to do here. Ethan, if you were to pick between these four guys, who are you starting? I'm thinking Greg Oden. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm thinking I'm going Greg Oden. Greg Oden, huh? What, what you are we doing? Reason? Outside of just pure dominance? Pure, do- pure dominance. Obviously, all four of these guys dominated. But Oden put Ohio State, helps put Ohio State on the map for basketball, something that realistically isn't done as much and being in a football state people knew Ohio State his name his branding going before yeah it was before Kevin Durant right yeah he was first overall pick went before Kevin Durant just that level of dominance is insane because Kevin Durant is known as a top two top three small forward of all time in college basketball Yes, this is true. I mean, obviously, in terms of talent, he unfortunately didn't do much when he was in Texas, but we don't have to talk about that as much. All right. Um, who would I start, man? I'm a Spurs fan, as I said earlier in the show, actually. So I'm tempted to put Tim Duncan here, but just if we're going in terms of who I really would start, I'm going AD. I mean, John Calipari hasn't won a national championship except for when Anthony Davis is on his team. I think Kentucky went like 38-2 and two that year and absolutely ran through everyone. Now, he did have a pretty pretty great team around him because that's when Kentucky was getting five stars left and right. So he probably had some really nice pieces around him on his team. But, I mean, I just remember watching that guy just absolutely murder everyone in this path. He, he was on a, a warpath, and the only guy stopping Anthony Davis was Anthony Davis. I mean, he went ballistic. And so Greg Oden was great, but... 
I mean, completely honest, I didn't get to watch him. So I'm going with Anthony Davis because I saw it with my own eyes, and it was it was something else, man. So that's who I would start. All right, Ethan, who do you have coming off the bench? So I'm going to go with your boy, Tim Duncan, off the bench. Okay, Tim. I'm pushing AD further and further. But Tim Duncan played four years of college, averaged 16.5 points, 12.3 rebounds. He had two – in every year but his freshman year, he averaged double digits. He was on a dominant Wake Forest team, and he was the first overall pick, and you know how Tim Duncan's career went from there. Exactly. That's a great pick. He played that dominant. Wake Forest. He helped set the culture. Give me Tim Duncan off my bench. Two-time consensus All-American. I like that pick for sure. In fact, I was going to go with the exact same pick. I got Tim Duncan coming off the bench as well. Um, Absolutely a great guy to have come off the bench. I mean, he's not necessarily a spark club guy when he comes to scoring, but in college he was. And for God knows the reason, I mean, Anthony Davis wasn't doing his job at a high level. You have Tim Duncan slide right in there, play some phenomenal defense, work around the post. He'd be great to have on the team, especially coming off the bench with Anthony Davis starting. All righty here. Red shirting. I have a pretty obvious answer, unfortunately, due to injuries. But, Ethan, who do you have as your red shirt? Anthony Davis. If what he did in his freshman year, 14 and 10, Imagine if he just had a year to develop even more. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That's a that's so, a good way about it. One year, if that was his, if he put up those stats every single year for four years and was the first overall pick, sure he would have been my bench player over Duncan, maybe even starting just with what we know he'd become. I'm gonna give, give him a red shirt. Why not? He he was young in college. He was the only player I believe out of the four that played less than three years. So, yeah, give me Tim Duncan as my red shirt. You mean Anthony Davis? Anthony Davis. Ugh. My bad. It's all good. I have Greg Oden as my red shirt. Um, in college, he didn't deal with injuries as much, but, you know, the NBA, I really unfortunate, just completely derailed his career. And, you know, I feel like if you redshirt him, maybe you find that little knee, that knee problem he had, like the shortened leg. Maybe you find that when he's in college and he rehabs that fully. And then he, you know, just goes Greg Oden in the NBA and has an absolutely ridiculous career. So, I don't know. I got Greg Oden because, you know, unfortunately what happened to him in the NBA. And it feels disrespectful that we were both cutting Marcus Camby. I honestly feel like if we grew up watching him, we have a completely different list. But. We both have Marcus Camby getting cut, unfortunately. I mean, he led his team to a Final Four with John Calipari as his coach, funny enough. Guys, but, you know, Marcus Camby, sorry, buddy. Really good. Really good NBA career, too. But it just didn't, didn't end up working out for this one. That, with that being completed, that's all I have, you know, to talk about. I thought it was a pretty good show. Ethan, got anything else to say? I think that's it. We will be back next week. All right, perfect. We will see you all then.